Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> this episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sports drink. Spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. <laughs> What's up, guys? Here we are, the week two review. It is just flying by. I mean, I know there was, what, five days between... Uh, the Bears' first preseason game and their second one, but it's a uh, little about it's about the same amount of time since I did the uh, review. Friday got away from me. Um, I don't know what the hell I was doing yesterday that I couldn't get this done. But here we are. It's early Sunday morning. I'm finally getting this one out. Hopefully, I still remember things uh, about a preseason game uh, that took place three days ago. But uh, Let's dive in and find out what I do remember. We got some news and notes and things like that to talk about, so let's just go ahead and get right into it. This is the preseason week two review episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. Second game of a three-game preseason slate for our beloved Chicago Bears. Had them out in the Pacific Northwest the farthest that they will travel all season, uh, actually. They don't go any further or, or log any more miles than what they did uh, on uh, Thursday to get to Seattle. Let's take a quick glance at the road trips. Green Bay, that's not a, that's not a you know. Green Bay, the Giants, uh, Minnesota, New England, Dallas, uh, Atlanta, the Jets, that's going to the same place as the Giants, and Detroit. So, I mean, I would say, you know, I'm not sure what the – I think Miami is the furthest trip they'll make. No, actually, Miami comes to us. What am I saying? Uh, maybe Dallas, I think, would probably be the furthest trip the Bears make, and that's week eight because after that it's Atlanta, which is a decent trip but not further than Dallas, I don't think. And then you're at the Jets, like I said, the same distance as it would be for the Giants. It's literally in the same building. And then you have our division opponents, Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit. Yeah, New England. New England, the Giants, and the Jets is pretty much in the neighborhood as far as the, you know, it's like not that much further to get from one to the other. Yeah, I think Dallas is the farthest that we travel after that or uh, after this game that we had with uh, with Seattle because we travel out to Cleveland to close out the preseason next Saturday. And that's, I mean, hell, that's what, like a five-hour drive from Chicago? So what would that be? Maybe an hour, hour and a half by plane, if that, to get to, uh, to, get to Cleveland. But, um, you know, so it's, that's the, the farthest the Bears are going to travel with this uh, NFC East, AFC East uh, schedule ahead of us. 
and our uh, same place opponents with the uh, the Texans, the Falcons, and the 49ers, two of them come to us. So there you have it. But um, anyway, uh, heading out to uh, to Seattle, uh, the Bears got a little bit of a gift going into it. Not that I think they had much to fear, uh, but uh, Drew Locke, the uh, was supposed to start. I don't know if he's the starting quarterback for the Seahawks at this point, but he was supposed to start uh, this game against the Bears on Thursday. Uh, came down with COVID and was there, you know, therefore shut down for the game. So all the quarterbacking duties, at least in the first uh, half, went to Geno Smith, who he's kind of in a quarterback battle with uh, at the moment. So uh, we'll see how that one turns out i think uh they said drew was going to take the majority of the snaps week three to make up for it but uh uh anyway uh so without drew lock out there geno smith uh would be the starter uh for the seahawks and um you know it, it was a a game that um you know no other word that i can think of but the bears kind of dominated the game uh on thursday i know it's a preseason game and that doesn't count for much but you know, when when you're supposed to be the worst team in the NFL, that means you're worse than a bad team than like Seattle, and Seattle's supposed to be the one that imposes their will upon you. As opposed, and, and instead, the Bears were up twenty four nothing before the Seahawks finally added a field goal late in the third quarter. I mean, this, you know, they, they just uh, they just kind of beat up on the Seahawks. Uh, out there, you know, three and out, I think, for the first several drives uh, for the uh, for the Seahawks, uh, whereas the Bears scored on their first two possessions. Uh, the starters came out and a 10 play drive culminating in a field goal attempt, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, Justin Fields, five for seven, 39 yards on the drive. And I was just reading uh, the recap article on ESPN where it said uh, only. Justin Fields didn't throw more than three passes or complete, either throw or complete more than three passes on a drive all year last year. And uh, I would say I would say uh, attempted, to be honest with you, because how many long opening drives did the Bears have last year? And he said the last time that Justin Fields, or the only time Justin Fields threw for 39 yards or more in a drive in 2021 was the opening drive that resulted in a touchdown against the Green Bay Packers in week six at home. So, yeah, that's pathetic. So bad when you look at it like that. So so after week six of last season, you know, the final two-thirds of the year, where the Bears were what? They were, they were three and two going into that game. So... The Bears went three and seven, three and eight, three and nine, including the Green Bay game, because we finished six and eleven. So three and nine the rest of the way. But in the final twelve games of the season, or eleven after the Green Bay game, the final eleven games of the season, Justin Fields did not throw for more than thirty nine yards in an opening drive and did not complete more than three passes in an opening drive. <sighs> Yeah, so, but what we did see, really good-looking stuff uh, from from Justin when he had time. Uh, going back and, like, upon second viewing, um, 
you know, a, a knee-jerk reaction to what was happening out on the field, especially on that first drive, was like, I, I have it in my notes, it's like the Bears, it looks like the Bears are trying to throw deep, but Justin Fields just does not have the time. Now, I was, uh, you know, I don't know if it was, it was out of, uh, you know, trying to quickly write things down or if I just didn't think it at the time, to be completely honest with you, I don't remember. But I didn't mention that it was the offensive line's fault. I just mentioned he did not have the time. Like when, when he dropped back, as soon as he finished his drop back, now he's scrambling around uh, in the pocket to try to find space to get rid of the football or, God forbid, even uh, run. But the, the time wasn't there. And, and, you know, there have been Twitter, Twitter threads and things like that showing uh, like a play-by-play where it wasn't always the offensive line. Like, oh, yeah, it was, you know, somebody missed the block here or so-and-so whiffed on a block there. But this time it was the, the, the running back whiffed on getting the blitzing linebacker, which was his responsibility, and that's who was breathing down Justin's throat and he had to rush to throw or, uh, or what have you. But it's like the Bears are attempting. They are trying to get the ball down the field. And, uh, you know, at times Justin Fields just flat out did not have the time uh, to do it. But he did manage to have some really nice, he had a really nice throw to uh, Darnell Mooney again. He had a really nice throw on a rollout to Cole Komet. Uh, first play of the drive was a well-run, well-executed tight end screen uh, to the right-hand side. I mean, it had how many times last year did Matt Nagy make the uh, screenplay look like the most impossible goddamn thing our offense could do? last year like I I don't know if he just enjoyed running it where the numbers were not in our favor or if we just ran it so much or ran it in a certain way that they could smell it coming from a mile away because whenever the ball finally got into the receiver's hands the entire defense was waiting for him and in this uh, instance you know first play of the game tight end screen to Cole Komet he got 12 yards on the play how many screens last year got 12 yards? You know, I'm sure that's a stat we don't want to dig up, but I mean, it was just, it was, it was a thing of beauty to watch. And it's, it's really showing, you know, tendencies or, or showing, you know, the, giving us a glimpse uh, of, of the things the Bears are going to try to do with this offense. That throw to Komet was, was a boot rollout to the left side. And, you know, lo and behold, not only did Justin Fields have a clear, uh, throwing lane uh, to his tight end, but he also had enough time. He was rolling to his left, so he's throwing rolling opposite uh, of his arm. He had enough time to stop, turn his hips, and then make a proper throw uh, to a wide open Cole Komet, and you know, perfect throw, nailed him. Uh, you know, first down uh, Bears. So I mean, it was a thing of beauty uh, to watch. It was a good drive. It's too bad that it ended in a. Uh, field goal would have been nice to see the Bears uh, get it into the uh, end zone. So let's see, drive stalls out. 35-yard field goal from Santos puts the Bears up uh, three to nothing, uh, you know, in the early going. And that was it for the starting offense. After that, Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, Sam Mustafer came out of the game. Tevin Jenkins and Larry, Bor- Larry Borum stayed in the game at right guard and right tackle for at least the entire first half. I don't think they came out for the third quarter, but if um, if they went in before the halftime gun, I'm not sure. 
But I'm pretty sure that Jenkins and Barum played the entire uh, first half as our right guard, right tackle uh, tandem. And um, uh, I don't have my NFL Plus subscription yet. I'm thinking about it because I think I don't think you can put it up on the TV, or I have to maybe see if it's possible to get it on the TV. So because I know it's it's not an app I can download onto my my Roku or my Fire Stick. It's only something that I can put on my uh, my iPhone or my or a or a tablet, and I don't have a tablet uh, right now. So um, maybe I'll invest uh, in a tablet, or maybe it's something I can put on my computer. That would be something because then I definitely could. I can do an HDMI hookup, and here I am just talking out loud. Uh, you know, stream of consciousness. So. The point is, because I don't have my NFL Plus subscription at the moment, uh, I wasn't able to go back and analyze. But what I've heard from people who have had the, the opportunity to go back and look at it play-by-play play and run it back and all that kind of stuff is that uh, Taven Jenkins did well uh, at right guard. Same as um, uh, Larry, Bo- Larry Borum uh, as well uh, at right tackle. So... You know, we'll see what happens. Um, Eberflus was talking to the press uh, either Saturday. I think it was Saturday because they were off. They're off today on Sunday. Um, saying that uh, right now, you know, he's taking – he being uh, Borum is uh, taking snaps with the ones at right tackle. I mean, I still think that's Riley Reef's job to lose uh, at this point, but we haven't seen him yet. Um, so, but we'll see how the offensive line – uh, turns out, especially when we get Lucas Patrick back in there, um, hopefully in time for the week one game against the 49ers. Speaking of week one, let me go ahead and dive, d- dump this in there. Uh, Jaquan Brisker did not play on Thursday because it turns out he suffered a thumb injury uh, last Saturday against the Chiefs in that first preseason game. And uh, a little something that required surgery, but... Uh, Nothing major, and they're optimistic that he'll be ready for week one. So both Patrick and Brisker will be, could be, ready for week one with respective thumb injuries uh, in time for the uh, 49ers. So even though we're hearing scary words like surgery, apparently it's nothing major that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm... you know, it kind of feels like if they do miss week one, they will be ready for the Packers week two. So at least we have that. But, uh, you know, the offensive line seems to be taking shape, especially if Jenkins has found a home uh, at right guard because, unfortunately, Schofield was not impressive against the Chiefs last week. Um, so we'll see how it all unfolds, and then we'll see if, if uh, Riley Reef who signed a $10 million contract with the Bears. It's incentive-laden, so I think maybe his base salary is only like $2 million, $2.5 million. But when, you, when you've got a contract that you can earn up to $10 million in with incentives and playing time and things like that, that's usually the guy that's going to start for you. So we'll see how it all uh, shakes out. But uh, we'll see if Reef gets any action against Cleveland. Still haven't seen David Montgomery yet. I think they're just... Uh, they know what they have in David Montgomery, so they don't need to see him uh, on the uh, on the field or or in a game situation just yet. You know, they see what they're getting from him uh, in practice uh, and whatnot. So, 
we'll uh, we'll see what happens uh, there. But uh, other, we saw you know Cole Komet didn't play in the first game. O'Shaughnessy, uh, you know, also played. Robert Quinn played. There were there was a you know, and Kyler Gordon played as well. So I mean, everyone. It seemed most most people that did not play in the first game played in the second one. So we'll see if who, if anybody of substance plays in the third game or if that's all going to be, you know, or is that going to be the Jack Sanborn farewell tour when the Bears cut him uh, after he's led the team in tackles uh, for the preseason. He had seven more tackles. He's got 14 now in, in the two games. Uh, no interceptions or anything like that, but once again, another seven tackles. Uh, playing with the second, he was—I think he was on the field earlier than he was the week before. Um, you know, I think he didn't play until the second half. He was playing during the second quarter for sure uh, on defense. So he got bumped up a level on the uh, depth chart. So we saw a little bit more of him uh, on Thursday. So, but uh, you know, the defense looked very good. They—they—they uh, they, they were shutting down uh, Seattle. Uh, Seattle couldn't seem to get out of their own way. Uh, at times, they really didn't do anything on offense until the game was already over. You know, it's it's uh, twenty-seven to three. They finally score their first touchdown. Then they got an extra, or they—I was going to say extra point. They got an onside kick, and then actually, you know, went on another drive, put another touchdown in the end zone. But this time, it was ruled incomplete upon review because the not only did the ball touch the ground but it also moved while it hit the ground because the ball is allowed to hit the ground as long as the player has control of it and unfortunately he did not have control of it you could see the ball moving around even in slow motion uh it was ruled incomplete and then the bears shut it down from there so the final score was 27 to 11 and um you know but it was a good looking win uh for the bears uh they looked it wasn't like last week where we struggled against the ones and then it was the backups that came back and won the game for us. Uh, this time, you know, the, the ones went on a 10-play drive, came out with a field goal. That's something that in the regular season, as, as we did under Matt Nagy, we want those drives finishing with touchdowns instead of settling for field goals, especially when we get into uh, the regular season and, and uh, you know, especially in games like the Packers. Because if we get the ball into the red zone, we want to put it in the end zone because we know Aaron Rodgers is going to put his balls in the end zone. <laughs> his balls, yeah. I said that. I heard it. Anyway. But, you know, the twos come in there. Uh, Trevor Simeon, another really nice game. Uh, the touchdown drive that he led uh, finished off with, um, let me see, was it Tunges, I believe was his name? Yeah. T-O-N-G-E-S, tight end number 46, 47, something like that. Three-yard touchdown. Good-looking play. That's the other thing that I'm seeing here is it's they're well-designed plays. And it, whatever it is, whether it's the action uh, in the backfield or just the route combinations or, or, or whatever it is that Luke Getze is putting out there, people aren't flying to the ball the way that they did when Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor were calling the plays. It's like, I, we're not as predictable as we used to be. I mean, and I know it's a new offense that teams haven't seen from us uh, before, and we're showing them the bare bones of it right now, where we haven't really gotten to any of the nuances uh, and what have you uh, of, the off, of the offense just yet, not to mention 
we haven't put out a lot of tape with our starters just yet. I think combined in the two games, you've got, you know, maybe 18 plays. Because I think Justin Fields only in for eight plays against the Chiefs, another 10 uh, against the Seahawks, and that's just because the drive actually lasted that long uh, and everything. But, you know, Tonjus uh, just drops right out into the flat. He's wide open at the snap of the ball. Wide open at the snap of the ball, and you do not see a guy closing in on him uh, to get to get to him, disrupt the pass, pick it off, whatever. He's you know Simeon's got a clear pass to just make the throw, put it in his hands. He turns around, dives over the goal line, touchdown. You know Bears are up ten, nothing. And and just like uh, last week, the route combination that had um, was it Equinemius St. Brown? No, no, no. It was. Um, Oh, who scored the touchdown last week? It was a really nice-looking uh, throw. Tajay Sharp is who it was. They they had the the bunch receivers, the three bunch receivers on the right side, and at the snap of the ball, Sharp was open. The way that they just you know did the releases when they snapped the ball and then the three receivers take off, Sharp was open immediately. And, and those are the things that we've seen you know, all around the league. That's what Luke Getze has watched, um, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and, and company do for years uh, in Green Bay. They're just, they're scheming their players open. And we've seen the several instances of that thus far in this offense with the ones and the twos with, you know, the, the nice looking throw t- for a touchdown to Sharp against the Chiefs last week. And then, the throw from Fields to Komet on the rollout, and then the touchdown from Simeon to Tanjis, uh there on the goal line. These were all clean plays that were uncontested until it was too late, you know, for the uh, for the Seahawks. And it was a a full game uh, of this kind of uh, play. And um, you know, the Bears were able to score a touchdown on special teams when uh, the Seahawks went ahead and and uh, the returner muffed a punt, and then the, it was like the holy roller, and the ball got uh, recovered uh, in the end zone, literally just before the, 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 the half. And so the Bears were up 17 nothing at the half uh, thanks to the special teams uh, mistake on the, on the part of the uh, Seahawks. So fun game to watch as far as watching the Bears play well. Um, you know, like I said, it was a lot of fun to be up 24 to nothing before the, uh, the chiefs, the Seahawks finally put points on the board. And then when they got their crowd excited, uh, at the end, it was still too little too late. And the bears went at 27, uh, to 11. One thing that was annoying about this broadcast, number one, it wasn't Buck and Aikman. You guys know that Buck and Aikman are not my favorite, especially Buck, but you know, I prefer them over Steve Levy and the and the crew. Um, and in, in this case, in particular, it was annoying uh, an annoying broadcast because it seemed like they were going out of their way, the broadcast team, to make excuses for the Seahawks as to why they looked the way they did. Whether it was because Drew Locke wasn't out there whether it was because they had a short week and had to travel, even though they didn't have to travel. 
but they were in Pittsburgh last week, so they had to go cross country after their game because they played at Saturday. They played on Saturday night, whereas the Bears played first thing Saturday afternoon. So there was that, uh, you know, and and uh, injury this, you know, inexperience that, and it was just one excuse after another to try to cover up why it was the Bears had basically stuck their foot in Seattle's ass and didn't let it out until the game was no longer in doubt. So that part was especially annoying. And you've seen, seen like memes and stuff like that all over uh, Twitter and, and Facebook of, you know, here's a, you know, a picture of somebody scattering around looking for something with a flashlight. And the, and the, the meme is, you know, this is the broadcast team looking for more excuses for the Seahawks uh, kind of thing. I mean, it, it really did kind of get ridiculous uh, after a while. So, I mean, there was praise for the Bears when they did well, but there was a lot of time being dedicated to why the Seahawks were struggling and all that kind of stuff. It was uh, it was an annoying a part of the show, uh, for sure. So, Buck and Aikman, uh, for anyone who cares, make their debut on Monday. Because instead of Bears-Seahawks, they're going to debut with uh, Falcons-Jets. Because there's a game everybody wants to see. So... And that one's on Monday, so tomorrow, actually. But uh, anyway, guys, quick recap of the, uh, of the game. So um, let's move on and, and close things out with uh, a few more uh, news and notes. <coughs> news and notes to close out the episode here, guys. Um, the Bears uh, had their first cuts, I believe, on Monday, the 15th, and um, trimmed the roster from 90 down to 85, and um, the Bears cut um, or waived, I should say, defensive end Carson Taylor, safety Michael Joseph, cornerback Jason Stanley, linebacker Javin, Javin White, Javin White, J-A-V-I-N, Javin, uh, tight end uh, Ryson John, and linebacker Noah Dawkins. They also signed offensive lineman uh, Corey Dublin and safety John Alexander. Uh, they also put our draft pick... Um, can never remember his first name, uh, Kramer, that we got from the from Illinois in the sixth round. The center um, suffered a Lindsfrank injury, a broken foot, one of the ugly ones. He's on injury reserve. His season is over. So, um, and uh, just today, actually, I'm I'm looking at uh, it's saying that the Bears have uh, placed wide receiver David Moore. On injured reserve, he suffered a leg injury against, well, not against, uh, at Family Fest uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's been put on injured reserve, and the Bears have signed fullback Jake Bargus uh, in his place. So that is who is going to replace David Moore on the um, roster for the remainder of the preseason, uh, at least. Uh, Bad, too bad about David Moore. Uh, I've heard a lot of talk about him possibly being able to come in uh, and and uh, and help the Bears, and uh, looks like he's not going to get a chance to. So, two more things I want to cover before we go. Uh, number one being the 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 field grass at Soldier Field. Um, just seeing that uh, for some reason, even though they've mentioned it before. Uh, found it necessary to remind everyone they are going to be fixing the grass before week one against the 49ers. But there's going to be another concert on the grass before that happens. We'll see how that goes. 
Will it be done in enough time for the field to settle before the players are out there, you know, running around and digging it up uh, and everything? We'll have to uh, wait and see on that. And um, I read the other day, uh, Brad Biggs, uh, a columnist for the Sun-Times or the Tribune, one of the two. I I always get them mixed up. But um, been a big, big big-time beat writer for the Bears for a long time now, and it's the Sun-Times, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, it is. But, um, tweeted at someone, like someone, you know, brought up the fact that, uh, the field is another reason, you know, why the bears want to move. And he said something to the effect of it is 0%, 0 0.0% of the reason why the bears want to move. Bullshit. It's just for the simple fact that it's not up to the Bears what happens to the field would be enough of a reason for them to, you know, for, to, or at least an incentive to want to move. These kinds of things, these decisions are being taken out of their hand. Like they literally have to make a plea to the Chicago Park District and to the city to do something about the field if it's in bad shape. So, Yeah. If, they're, if they have their own stadium and, and they own it, therefore they can do whatever the hell they want in Arlington Heights. Whether they, you know, just put field turf down and, and you know, there you go and that's it. Or if they do something like they do like in, uh, in Arizona where they, you know, uh, can roll the field in and out and therefore they roll it out when there's a concert so there aren't people and stages trampling up the, the sod or anything and then move it back in. Uh, when the concert's over, or do something to protect the field, as opposed to what happens uh, when there's a big time show uh, at Soldier Field now, uh, like there was, you know, with the Elton John show uh, that that tore the field to pieces before the Chiefs game. So, yeah, as as good a beat writer is, and as as well respected and uh, known for knowing his stuff, Brad Biggs way off base there. Zero percent, zero zero point zero percent chance. The Bears want to move because of the field? Okay. I'm not saying it's 99% of the reason, but it's in there for sure. 0.0? No way. No way it doesn't factor in to the Bears wanting to move. None. Because I'm quite sure that management, the front office, and hell, even the players are tired of you know their field, their home field, the one that they play on more than any other, is widely regarded as the worst in the NFL, that it's a joke, God forbid it rains or anything like that, then the field is really screwed uh, and things like that. Having that reputation, I'm sure, is a minute reason, at the very least, why the McCaskies in the organization are not even trying to listen to Lightfoot's renovation ideas and all that kind of stuff for Soldier Field. Their heart is set on Arlington Heights and getting the Bears into their own stadium that the organization will own and therefore be able to look upon as Lord and ruler from here on out. So it's not 0.0, Brad. That's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. So anyway, and then, of course, the big story uh, just came down the other day. Uh, Roquan Smith ended his hold in and returned to practice with the Bears on Friday. And, um, you know, now that he's an actual active player, once again, he was allowed to speak with the media for the first time in this uh, 
in this training camp. Um, I think some of the words he used were distasteful as far as his negotiations uh, with the team. Now he's talking about how I have a contract to play out and I'm going to bet on myself and we'll see what happens and everything. And honestly, the whole thing, listening to him talk and his reasoning for holding it, it's fine. He wants to get paid. He deserves to get paid. But, um, you know, I, I do think he's asking for too much because as good a linebacker as Roquan Smith is, whenever you hear somebody talking about the best inside linebackers in the NFL, rightly or wrongly, Roquan Smith's name does not come up. You hear about Shaq Leonard in Indianapolis. You got Fred Warner uh, in, in, in San Francisco. You very rarely hear the name Roquan Smith come up. Not that he doesn't deserve to be there, but just saying, when you ask the experts, those are the names that come up, not Roquan's. And we're, you know, the other thing is he's going into a brand new defense. And the Bears don't know how he's going to thrive in this new system. You know, maybe he's a better inside 3-4 guy than the uh, weak side linebacker they're going to make him be uh, in the 4-3. You know, will he be the next Lance Briggs or uh, will he be the next Shea McClellan? Who was a disaster at outside linebacker after he failed as a defensive end. So, I don't know. We'll have to uh, wait and see. But um, honestly, at this point, and not having anything to do with, with frustration with Roquan or not wanting him on the team anymore, I want him to stay. I absolutely do. And I hope that he succeeds in the system. But if he struggles, then I want the Bears to trade him. I want them to do it before the trade deadline so that we get something for him because everything Roquan said in that uh, press conference says, I'm leaving Chicago after this year. So better to get something for him than to let him get away for free. Because unless he balls out and the Bears franchise him, he's leaving. He's leaving. So I think it would be better for us to get something for him. If he's leaving anyway, might as well see if we can package him up and, and uh, get a draft, to pick, a, a draft pick or two uh, for him on his way out the door as opposed to just letting him get away uh, for free. Uh, Ryan Pace did that a little too much there uh, during his tenure, letting guys, you know, talking about wanting to be a homegrown team and then letting the talent walk out the door. Um, you know, if, if he's got his heart set on leaving, then I think the Bears should trade him and get something for him and then move forward. It's like, I think we're all here playing for 2023 anyway. This was supposed to be, you know, kind of like a foundation year where we reset the roster, uh, we get we get all of our cap hits out of the way, uh, you know, and it's up to 125 million. They showed the graphic on ESPN in cap space that the Bears have for 2023. So, be able to use that money to get some difference makers in here and uh, possibly replace a Roquan Smith. With, uh, with someone else. So we'll see. But I'm glad that he's back. I'm glad that we can count on him being there week one. Hopefully he didn't jinx himself with that whole bet on myself nonsense and go down with an ACL week one uh, against the 49ers. But, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see him out there and see what he looks like in this new defense. 
You know, can he be a stud like uh, Briggs was at weak side linebacker, or, or will they have to end up moving him to the uh, to the middle and and move Nicholas Morrow out there or Matt Adams or whatever the case might be? So we'll see. But um, anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the week two review uh, episode for our preseason. Uh, thus far, we will be back next Sunday with the uh, the review of the preseason finale against the uh, Browns. And actually, I'm going to check the calendar to see when final cuts are going to be made because maybe I'll just do what I've always done and, and wait for the final cuts to uh, to come through before I uh, before I do the review. Because let's be honest. With who ends up play, if if the starters play, then yeah, I'll definitely talk, be talking uh, about the game uh, on Saturday. Um, something about Eberflus tells me that we might see a few plays out of them on Saturday, but we'll see. Because if they don't play, then it's like three weeks between this past Thursday's game against the Seahawks and then our first game against the Forty Nine. It's a long time to not see game action. Uh, you know, from preseason to week one, especially with this, like ever since we went to 17 games in a three-game preseason, there's a two-week break between the last preseason game and week one. Not just one week like there had been for years when we had the 16-game schedule and four preseason games. So um, I hope that we do see them. I don't want to see them out there extended duty, taking out the whole first quarter or anything like that, but something along the lines of what they did uh, on Thursday against Seahawks, Play the first drive. If you get eight to ten snaps in, you guys are done. We'll get ready for the season. But, uh, you know, a little bit more game action, a little bit more work in there, see where we go uh, from here kind of thing, as opposed to just being three weeks cold between the Seahawks game and the first game against the 49ers week one. So, but, you know, there's generally there's not a whole lot to talk about when it comes to that last preseason game a whole bunch of guys that aren't going to be on the roster in 20, 24 hours uh, and everything will play the majority uh, of the game. And then, uh, you know, so that's why I like to wait for the 53-man roster to come out, even though there's going to be two weeks. And there's a lot of rumors about how Poles is basically planning on being busy for those two weeks after we make our cuts and and whatnot to, to make some moves and, and finally – put the one last good polish on the roster before week one uh, comes around. Um, I think I'm going to wait until the roster comes out before we do the uh, week three uh, review next week. So keep an eye out on it. Keep an eye on the socials at BTU underscore Larry on Instagram and on Twitter. And then you can find me at the Bears Talk Underground group on Facebook. So. Uh, Anyway, guys, that will do it. We will see you again next weekend, hopefully. Uh, And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. 
Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.